0: So every time I get up here, I always realize I've done something wrong. And this time it was printed the writing too small. And I'm kind of half blind, so I've stuffed up heaps. I apologize. Are there anything in this world that we can be certain in? Can we be certain in anything when our world is forever changing? Is there anything we can be sure in? Can we be sure in our politicians? our very wise Prime Minister once told us that there would be no carbon tax under her. And, well, we all know what happened there. We now have a carbon tax. And have you guys ever heard the statement, there's only two certain things in this world, death and taxes? Well, I don't think that's true. I reckon there's lots of certain things. Like, I reckon... Right now, this dude is going to be in a lot of pain when he wins. That is a certainty. I also think for certainty that in an elevator, if you pass wind out loudly, you're going to get shunned by a lot of people. (laughs) As Christians, can we have a certain faith in an uncertain world? Can we be certain of our trust in Jesus? Tonight I'm going to talk to you about Christian growth and Christian growth that leads to our assurance and how as Christians we can have assurance in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to go through three points. First point is going to be make every effort to live a godly life. Second point is going to be live an effective life for Jesus. And the third is Christians need reminders, encouragement, and support. So there we go. That's where we're heading. So the first point, make every effort to live a godly life. Everyone, open up your Bibles. Let's read what the Bible says. Verses 5 to 7. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Let's take a second here and zoom out a bit. Let's read the first four words again. For this very reason. Now, basic grammar taught me that that means that there is is a reason before he starts writing, and that's why he writes this. So let's look, at, look for that reason. Let's read verse 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So because God gives us everything we need, we then are to add to our faith. We are to make every effort to live a godly life. We don't make this effort to become a Christian. We make this effort because we are Christians. What we have here is it's a list it's a list of godly char- characteristics that we should be aiming for. Characteristics that we should be looking to grow in. And I want to start off by saying that this list isn't a checklist for us to do, which means that and once they're all ticked, that means a Christian. No, Peter is already writing to Christians. You're a Christian if your faith is in Jesus Christ and his grace, not by the works that we do. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says, says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. This list isn't a checkbox. These are characteristics. We can view them as guides, as what we're meant to be like, at what we need to be working at, at what we need to be working towards. What we need to be making every effort to achieve and continually live our life aiming to improve on them. Christian lives aren't meant to be flat, they're meant to be linear. And I'm pretty sure the word is linear, and I haven't been in maths for a while. It's linear on a graph when it goes like curves up. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's been a while. And I'm not going to lie, I talked to someone about this with the talk and he also did not pick it up. Our lives are meant to be exponential. (laughs) I'm going to say it linear because it's so much easier to say. They're meant to grow. Every day we're meant to aim at improving our godliness. And now in the Bible, other people, other authors have written different godly characteristics to aim for and different Christ-likeness that we should be like. Um, And so why does Peter give the people he's writing to this list? Well, quickly we'll just look a bit of context to help us find that out. We know that he's sending the letter to Christians, and we also know that the Christians are in the area of Asia Minor. So there's Greece and Egypt's kind of like in the middle, a little bit below, I believe. And he's writing to Asia Minor, so that area there. And he's writing to them for two reasons mostly. Writing to assure them of their faith and to warn them of false teachers that are walking around. He wants them to be prepared and aware for them. He wants them to be aware. He also wants them to be assured of the certain truth that they have their faith in. Let's quickly look at each individual characteristic. Each quickly. So the first one, goodness. Add goodness to your life. Be kind to people. Be generous to people. Be good to people. Be Christ-like to other people. Knowledge. Add knowledge to your faith. Learn more about Jesus. Learn more about his death and resurrection. And learn more about what it cost him for us to be saved. Next one. Self-control. Add self-control to your faith. Be able to control what your body is doing. Be able to control what your mind's is thinking. And be able to control what your actions are. Perseverance. Christian life is not a sprint. We all know that it's a marathon. And we need to add perseverance to our life. Godliness. We need to add Christlikeness, which is a word I'm pretty sure isn't a real word, but I'm going to add it, Christlikeness to our life. We should act like Christ in everything we do. And mutual affection and love. We need to add caring for everyone, looking after everyone. Supporting everyone. Loving everyone like our brothers and sisters in Christ, which we are. In a Christian life, there are heaps of different problems and issues that can choke and hinder our growth. Just a couple off the top of my head. Money, sexual immorality, greed, lust, and the list goes on and on. And We get affected by these things and it disturbs God's glory. It's a bit like when a footballer gets chosen to play for the Wallabies. Sorry for all the people who don't like football. He trains hard for it. He trains hard, he works hard, and he's good at it. He gets chosen. But when he gets chosen, different things start to crop up. Parties, alcohol, fame, status. And each of these things start to affect his football. And so instead of training hard, he parties hard. Instead of working out, he just drinks alcohol. And his game gets affected and he finally gets dropped. Make every effort to live a godly life, all your life, continually. Okay, so that's the first point. Let's move on to the second point. Live an effective life for Jesus. Live an effective life for Jesus. Let's again look at what the Bible says. So Everyone open up to 8 and 11, verses 8 and 11 and read along with me. For if you possess these qualities in increasing nature, measure, sorry, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To live an effective life for Jesus, we need something inside us. Our heart. Our heart needs to be on Jesus. Jesus needs to be the centre of our world. And from that, From Jesus being in the center of our world, we are able to then live an effective life for him. We must begin with faith. It must be faith. And then from faith, which is the groundwork, we then add to them the characteristics which we discussed before. And all these put together will ensure growth. And ensure that we're not mere listeners of the word and we're not mere idlers of the word, but doers of the word. I'm going to skip that bit. I don't want to hear about my mum. And because of the faith that we have inside us, we then leave, live an effective life for Christ. We have assurance in Christ, not because of what we do, but what Jesus has done. True election and true faith It has an effect on your life. It has an effect on how you live. It has an effect on how you spend your time, your money, and your energy. Your actions reflect your heart. Your heart loves money. Well, then you're going to be working hard at getting the most best paid job or buying lots of lotto tickets. If your heart has Jesus in the center, your actions and efforts will be to obey him in everything we do. And how can you be certain of your faith? Look at your life. Is there growth? Is there a life which has Jesus at the center? Or is there something else there? Verse 10 tells us, If you do these things, if you possess these qualities, you will never stumble and inherit the eternal kingdom. A lot of the Bible talks about what Jesus has done for us and what God has done for us. This bit is about what we can do. We can do it, though, because Jesus has given us everything we need. He has given us what we need to live an effective life for him. And we also see from the verses what happens when we aren't diligent in adding to our faith. Let's look at what it says. We become ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we are nearsighted and blind, forgetting about what we were saved from. We lose aspect of the fact that we were once sinners saved by Christ. All right, let's move on to the third point. Christians have a need for reminders, support, and encouragement. Let's again, let's look at the Bible. Everyone look 12 to 15, verses 12 to 15. So I will always remind you of these things. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Remember who Peter is writing to. He's writing to Christians. Peter knows that these Christians are well established and firm in their faith and yet he still has the want and need to spend his time and energy in reminding them, reminding them to make every effort to confirm to their calling and election, to make every effort to add to their faith, to possess these qualities. We must be established in the belief of the truth so we're not shaken by every wind of false teaching that presents itself to us. Peter sees the value of reminding and supporting each other and encouraging each other, and so should we. In a Christian life, we can have the tendency to become, have a want to become a part of this world, to follow this world, to do what it wants of us. It wants us to be like the fish and follow everyone else. It doesn't want us to be different. And... and and getting focused on things that have no eternal value. We get drawn in by the pleasures of this world and Jesus gets taken away from the centre of our heart. We have a need for reminder. We have a need for encouragement. And we have a need for support. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in application. So let's, let's apply it to our lives. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sort of suggest ways to help you get habitful in godliness. So firstly, prayer. Pray to the sovereign almighty God that we have. Pray that he might help us in adding to our faith. Thank him that he has given us everything we need. Pray that he can root us firmly in the truth of the death, death and resurrection. We are in a relationship with God. He wants to help us. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. God will help us. We just need to ask. Secondly, regularly, regularly, attend your GT in Bible study. Bible studies are awesome. They allow you to look deeply in what the Bible says. They allow you to expand what you know about Jesus and they enable you to ask questions that you might not be able to ask in other places. They allow you to see what other people see from the verses and you just get a good dosage of Bibles every time. Thirdly, church. Now, this is your church. Attend it. Listen to the sermon. Challenge what the speaker is saying. Don't just sit there and listen and forget it in a second. Look at what I'm talking about. Look at the verses. See whether I'm talking from the Bible. And doing this in every sermon will help you in adding to your faith. Fourthly. Do whatever you can to get into a daily Bible reading habit. I know everyone says it. It is truly important in helping you in your walk with Christ. Spend daily time dwelling among God's word. Spend time strengthening your relationship with him. Spend time deepening your establishment in the truth of the Bible. So when people can come up to you telling you false beliefs or trying to change your belief. You are so rooted in the truth that you will not be swayed. Fifthly, spend time in fellowship with other Christians. Make church, make youth group, make Bible studies, go to the baptisms this weekend, spend time with other Christians, support each other, encourage each other. A walk is much easier with the help and support of people around us. Fifthly, sixthly, sixthly, ministry. Get into a habit of volunteering your time. Get into a habit of volunteering other people ahead of you. No, get into the habit of putting other people in front of you. Get into the habit of using your time wisely. Youth group here, there is a lot to do here and there's not that many leaders to help. Help out. But not just here, everywhere. Everywhere needs help. Everywhere needs support. Work at living a godly life. Work at living a Christ-centered life where Christ is the focus of every one of your actions. All right, so let's step back for a second. I'm going to talk to people here who might be here for the first time or don't know Jesus as their Savior. Welcome. Hope you have fun tonight. The Bible, if true, is of eternal worth. The things that have been said in the Bible can mean death or life. C.S. Lewis once said, and I'm pretty sure a lot of us might know it, that Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is, is of moderate importance. And that's so true. I beg that you seriously consider, consider checking out the Bible. Check out what it says. Check the evidence, the facts, the history. It's there to be seen. You just have to look for it. God has given us everything we need. And we need to make every effort to add to our faith. Not to be saved because we are saved. Think for a second. Think of when you became a Christian. Or think over just the past year. Is there growth? Do you have assurance in your faith? I'm just going to pray and then hand it back to Dale. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for what you have given us. I pray that we are able to live a godly life for you. Amen.